Hello and welcome to the Feel Good Weddings podcast, a podcast by Polkadot Wedding. My name is Dorothy and I'm the founder and editor of Polkadot Wedding. I've written so much about weddings over the past 15 years. In fact, at last count, I had over 10,000 posts on our website. But while I love the flowers, the dresses, the cakes, that inspires me endlessly. What I'm beginning to love even more is the discussions around diversity and inclusion in the wedding industry. What I'm beginning to love even more is the journey that we're taking as a business to change the foundation of how we run everything, to change how we include people, to change how we publish weddings, to make them more inclusive. And part of this was publishing a podcast because these are discussions that we think we should be having with you. These are discussions that we think we should be including you in and we can't wait to. We can't wait to share with you today's guest. The Polkadot Wedding Team is honoured to conduct our work on the land of the Boon Woyai Wurrung, Eora and Karungai people. We honour the traditional Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander custodians of the land and we pay our respects to Elders past and present. Hello and welcome. I'm so excited to introduce you to today's guest, Will Burton. Will married his beloved John in a very special Sydney ceremony and we were lucky enough to feature it on Polka Dot Wedding. And what stood out to us about that day was how unique it was. They got married on top of the Sydney Harbour Bridge for starters, but also how personal it was. They really made decisions that they loved and that was surrounding them with what was important to them. And you know that's the kind of story we love to tell. So I can't wait for you to hear our chat with Will. Hello, Will. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm very happy to be here. I am so thrilled to talk to you today about your and John's wedding because it was, I still remember it was such a favourite of ours of getting married on top of the Sydney Harbour Bridge, which was such an unusual thing, but then also the way that you ran your day. So I'm really excited to talk to you about it today. Totally. Yeah, thank you for inviting me. I actually edit and promote a lot of podcasts as part of my role, but this is my debut as a guest. So thank you for having me. Oh my gosh. So you'll probably be able to tell me all the ins and outs things <laughs> I'm not doing right. I'm not sure. <laughs> so are you able to kick us off today by telling me about you and John? And I know the story that where you got together is a bit long. So tell me about when you met and what you're both doing with your life now and about you both of you. Oh, absolutely. So we actually met back in 2011. I was 17, John was 80, and we lived at opposite ends of the UK, actually, which wasn't ideal. But as soon as John finished university, he moved down to Cornwall, and we got our first place together. And then kind of fast forward five years, I suppose, and we are both in fairly high pressure jobs, and decided, wait, we're we're too young to be for this. (laughs) So um, set off on the gap year that we never had, I suppose, and spent some time in Southeast Asia and travelled the coast of Australia from Perth in an old postal van, actually. But then when we hit Sydney, we completely fell in love with the place and, you know, decided we wanted to stay. And the rest is history, I suppose. Oh, my gosh. So you're, you're staying in Sydney forever, do you think? Well, you know, obviously everything's down to visas and bits and pieces like that, but we, yeah. we would love to have this as our base, totally. So not only did you fall in love with Sydney, but you got married on top of the Sydney Harbour Bridge, as I said. So how did you both decide you wanted to get married in the first place? Yeah, sure. So, well, John actually proposed to me while we're on our travels. So 
it's quite a funny story. He got the ring when we were still living in the UK and carried it with him in his rucksack. We had a backpack each and he had it in his bag for about nine months waiting for the perfect opportunity. And he ended up proposing on Magnetic Island on our ninth anniversary, which came as a real surprise because we were living out of a van on a diet of noodles. So it was it was really special. <laughs> so he'd been saving for the ring, obviously. Yeah. And, oh, did he propose with the ring? I should yeah, ask. Yeah, so he, he he brought it with him for the for the whole trip. He'd had it in his bag, waiting for the right time. So wow, yeah, very wow. romantic. So how did you decide how you wanted to get married, and the, how many guests you were going to invite, and how your day was going to go? How, where did that loss come from? Yeah, totally. So as for deciding to actually get married, we'd we'd actually stayed in one New Year's Eve. We were both feeling under the weather, uh, funnily enough. So it must have been 2020. And we were talking about, you know, what do we want to do this year? And I think one of us said, well, should we get married? And, you know, it was a hard decision to to make, knowing that our family and the friends and family and friends in the UK wouldn't be with us. But the time felt right. And due to COVID and visas, we weren't sure how long it would be until we could get home. So we bit the bullet and we said, let's do it. I love that. And your wedding, like I said, was a different format to most of the day. So you started by getting married on top of the Sydney Harbour Bridge where you had your ceremony and then you went to a hotel. Was that for lunch or breakfast? Yeah, so for so a wedding breakfast. So after the ceremony on the bridge um, with 10 guests, we just had a really intimate reception at Park Hyatt and from there we then hired a bar on Oxford Street and we invited all of our other friends for a big party. So it was very good. You danced the night away. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think the after party or the, the bar was my favourite part because it yeah. just looked like so much fun. Yeah, I mean, we had fire dancers, drag queens. It was definitely a, a night we won't forget. Where did you even start with your planning? Like what was the first thing you booked and where did you yeah, kick it off? It, because, because of COVID, our dates changed a few times. So it actually evolved quite a lot each time we would, we would change our... It was quite a good kind of practice run because we'd organise everything and then we'd have a chance to rearrange it again. So we started with the bridge. We were actually looking for a smaller venue, but then I had this wild idea and text John at work one day and I said, John, why don't we do it on the bridge? <laughs> he just thinks, oh God, here we go again. But yeah, so we booked that in and then kind of built everything else around it. Did you set out with your day to have a certain vibe or mood in mind? Like I know couples want a really relaxed day or really formal or whatever. Yeah. Did you have any mood? Yeah, definitely. We knew, I suppose, that we wanted it to feel really relaxed and prevent it being controlled by too many time constraints. But obviously that's unavoidable on your wedding day because there's so many moving parts. But we want it to flow as naturally as possible and not be rushing from one place to another. So as much as possible, we kept timeframes open with the vendors and it really helped to make the day just feel easy and just natural. So <laughs> I think that happens too with the way that you planned your day being such a rolling sort of grazing going from here to there kind of thing as well sure one of the things I love most about your day is how you use flowers because you had a bouquet which yes. I think more grooms need a bouquet <laughs> yeah. so it works so well with your beautiful suits and the tones of the day can you tell me about all the details the let's start with the flowers yeah absolutely so with, with the flowers we actually wanted to use as many local businesses we could which we were already kind of customers of um, and I work, walk past Merchant and Green in Redford most days and they always have the most stunning variety of flowers the staff are always really friendly so it felt like a good fit we actually went in one day with a few friends and met with Chris the owner and we had a rough idea of what we wanted we wanted lots of leafy greens and Australian natives 
And honestly, he's so talented. He was walking around the store, grabbing a bit of this and a bit of that, and just created this bouquet and buttonhole right in front of us, which was exactly what we had in mind. So John had a lighter suit and mine was darker. So we wanted our buttonholes to kind of contrast against those. And I wanted to have lots of lavender throughout the arrangements because it reminds me of my mum. And he nailed it. They were they were perfect. So yeah, Merchant and Green ended up doing our bouquet, the flowers for our wedding party and for ourselves. And then they decorated the private room at Park Hyatt as well. And then for the cake, we used black velvet, which again, we'd used for events in the past, for birthdays and things. We'd always found them super reliable and friendly. And the cake is insane from them. So um, we met with them and they turned... I suppose, our scribbles and our ideas into reality. So we had... So your cake was a geode, wasn't it, with crystal details? Yes, yes. So we had three tiers in the end with a, a geode design on the top, which was really detailed and, and really interesting, and then a semi-naked tier and a marble tier. So, and credit to where credit's due to them, I think they are probably one of the only vendors that didn't triple the price because we used the W word. <laughs> What flavours did you have in your cake? Tell me. So we had, I think the bottom was chocolate and then salted caramel and red velvet. So we got a bit of everything. And I mean, (laughs) we've only just finished eating it six months on. It's We had it all chopped up in the freezer. And yeah, it lasted us a long time. (laughs) I freeze a lot of cake and there's something about having cake in your freezer. Very handy. It's it's pretty good on a Friday night. And And, and we've not even touched the top tier. So that's still frozen. So we're hoping when John's family are hoping to come out next year we're hoping to be able to share that with them then so oh how cool yeah we thought that was a nice idea and each of your guests got a really special wedding favor too didn't they yes so my friend todd actually has a small design business and he creates prints so he created place settings for all of our guests which was really nice something for them to keep it was really special did you have any other really personal touches you included like sentimental moments and that kind of thing that you honored people with no not necessarily but i did have my brother send over some cufflinks that my grandparents bought me for my 60th birthday so that was lovely it was like i had them with me on the day so that was a really nice touch so you've got you both wore beautiful suits sage and a kind of a taupe color i'd love to hear more about how you did you have them custom made how did you go about choosing your suits yeah well actually funnily enough the suits is where we actually started planning i feel like it can be a bit of a minefield when you set about planning your wedding working out what decisions need to be made first but Choosing the suits was a really nice way to kind of begin. And then it set a good tone then for the other decisions that we needed to make. We decided if we chose our suits, we could work the color scheme around that, which luckily worked out. I mean, it could have gone horribly wrong, but John went for a beige three piece with a very subtle check in it. And I love greens, so I found a gorgeous woolen beige sage suit. And they paired really nicely together. And then from there, we bought pocket squares and ties from Etsy that kind of tied the suits together. So then they, they merged. So you you were obviously did you, you didn't wear the suits up on top of the bridge did you underneath no, your no, jumpsuits? <laughs> no, there were a few changes during the day. So it was um, it was actually a really nice day because the sun was out, but there was a bit of a breeze. So when we, I was really worried that walking around for two hours having our photos done before we would be sweaty, but the, because of the nice breeze, it kept us cool. And then we changed to go up onto the bridge and then change when we came down again. Yeah, yeah. I don't think I'd want to be climbing this anymore. No. <laughs> No, absolutely not. So your photographer was Anton from Across the Forest, and I want to know, how did you convince him to climb the bridge? (laughs) And how did you also find him and set about, like, 
in, in a world of, I think we're one of the most saturated countries for wedding photographers in the world. So how oh, did really? you find yeah. Antwerp in the first place? Yeah. Well, if I make a single recommendation on this podcast, it is across the forest. I mean, Anton was amazing. And I often say to people that he just felt like another guest on the day. He fitted right in. Oh. It is a pretty scary process choosing a photographer for <laughs> such an important day. I mean, it's probably yes. the most daunting decision that we felt we had to make because yeah. They're responsible for capturing all those little moments that you want to remember. Yeah. So we actually had a Zoom call with Anton and Rhea in the middle of a lockdown, I believe. And we just clicked straight away. They kind of treated us as if we we're their first ever client and really understood what we wanted from the day and what we wanted to capture. And that was really important to us. So it was kind of signed, sealed and delivered and that they were going to yeah. do it. In actual fact, the bridge climb had already been booked at that point. And due to the legalities of climbing the bridge with a photographer we decided it kind of wasn't worth it. But Anton was so keen to climb that we actually um, changed our plans and we sorted it out so that he could come with us. I think it was well and truly worth it because your photos are really consistent throughout the day and it's just such a special memory to be able to have that captured. Yeah, and actually one of our favourite images from the day is actually up on the bridge. So we're so pleased we did it. I mean, there's a bit of red tape around photography up there because... Uh, He had to be accompanied by a member of staff from New South Wales Transport. There's lots of details. Um, But, yeah, as I said, one of our favourite photos is us, all of the wedding guests, walking up the bridge with the opera house behind us. And Anton's captured perfectly from the other side. So, yeah, it was a a last-minute decision, but a very good one. Did you have anything in your ceremony that you wanted specifically or did you have readings or, I mean, I don't know how... do you have a time limit on top of the Harbour Bridge? Can you even have readings? Yeah, no, they were really flexible with us. Really helpful okay. at Bridge Climb. They give you as much time really as you want up there. We we didn't have any readings as such, but we had we wrote our own vows and we worked with the celebrant. To the he wrote such a gorgeous ceremony. It was really lovely. He really took a lot of care and interest in our background and our story and kind of weave that through the ceremony so yeah brad did a, a great job and then as i said we had our own vows yeah it was very special <laughs> it just looked like such a great day so you had you were married by abc by brad i wanted to know well who are the sell- the other vendors that you would recommend or i presume brad is on that list yes yeah yeah absolutely so we couldn't have been any luckier with everyone that we chose you know we, we were very lucky but apart from merchant green park Hyatt bridge climbing across the forest that we've already mentioned. The two brothers that run AHW Studio created the most perfect wedding bands for us. They have a couple of stores in Sydney, one on the rocks and one in the QBB. And yeah, and also a big thanks to Brad, I suppose, for not running for the hills when we said we wanted to get married on top of the bridge. <laughs> did you have to convince these vendors or did they were they jumping for joy at the idea of doing something so really cool a bit of a mix. So for some of them, we reached out before we knew what our venue was. And for others like Brad, we we reached out to Brad. He's a friend of a friend, so we we kind of knew him already and we thought he'd be the perfect person um, to do the ceremony. But, yeah, so we initially reached out to Brad and said, look, we'd love for you to be our celebrant and we're not sure what our plans are yet. And he jumped at the chance. He was really, really keen to be involved. And then one day I called him and I said, (laughs) Brad, (laughs) I've had this idea. Um, and he was shocked, but he was he was obviously really keen for it. I mean, as a celebrant, I'm I'm not sure that you get an opportunity like that very often. So you got to jump on these things, I think. 
Yes, definitely. And he did. And I think he won't forget that one in a, in a hurry. So I wanted to talk beyond the pretty because I love the pretty, but mm. I feel like there's more to your story. So did you have any obstacles with planning your wedding? Sure. <laughs> I'm going to. I'm going to do it. I'm going to mention COVID. <laughs> uh, but, um, oh, of course, of course. The, the elephant in the room. <laughs> I know. But our date changed three times due to the pandemic. But apart from yeah. that, we can't really complain. I mean, it was a really seamless process that, and we just yep. really love planning it. I actually miss it. I'm I'm begging my friends to get married so that I can I can help them. <laughs> well, I feel like when you have three parties to plan, like your ceremony and your breakfast and the after party, like it's so much fun to plan that stuff and just do what you want to do, which is you know what it's all about. Yeah. So, as a LGBTQI couple, did you seek out to find LGBTQI friendly vendors, or did you have issues around that, or how did you start to do that? Did it even yeah. factor into what you were thinking about? Yeah, no, very good question. I mean, absolutely, it may be 2022, but it is still very much at the front of your mind when organising a same-sex wedding. Mostly, we went with LGBTQI plus vendors or companies that we had our own personal experience with already. But as a whole, we are treated equally and the same as any other people getting married. Although I will tell you a story, and I won't name the venue, but it's a very prestigious hotel in Sydney. We booked the honeymoon suite and and the response I received by email was, thank you, Will, we can't wait to welcome you and your wife. <laughs> now, oh, no. I know it's not the end of the world. We're very lucky to be living in you know such a free country. And I I know many others across the world have much bigger issues to deal with when it comes to sexuality, but it does leave a bit of a sour taste in your mouth when you're spending a large sum of money and when you're arguably in one of the most LGBT-friendly cities in the world. And, you know, I don't blame that particular member of staff at all. They would have um, meant really well, I'm sure. But I do feel management in all sectors um, have a responsibility to prevent that sort of thing, Uh, especially we're we're five years post-legalisation of same-sex marriage. So there's a little bit of work to be done. (laughs) Yeah. And it's such an easy change as well. I don't, it's such an easy change as well. I don't think it, it's just that you actually have to consciously go and think about making that change. And I don't think that has been on people's radar, sadly. Yeah. What do you wish that the wedding industry as an LGBTQ couple could do to make themselves more LGBTQ friendly? We did just obviously talk about that. So it's obvious in the fact of like intake forms, et cetera, making sure you're not using bride and groom, et cetera, and wife and husband. But what do you feel that we could do as an industry to make it better? Yeah, you know, I think we're making amazing progress thanks to so many people before us. But as I said, it's really a simple case of speaking to the teams on the floor. And I mean that as a management responsibility and removing those assumptions that it's always a bride and groom. It can be damaging for their business, you know, as well. So they should really take note. And credit to you at Polkadot, I've seen your diversity inclusivity guidelines. And it really is as simple as, you know, implementing something like that just to help the community feel welcomed yep. and acknowledged. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any other thoughts that now you're on the other side of planning your wedding, you wish you had known or you wish the industry had done differently or I suppose your thoughts about it all at the other side? Yeah, not necessarily. I think if one thing I have taken from planning a wedding is that your budget <laughs> needs to be a lot more generous from the beginning because it's a lot more expensive than you might imagine. And yes, there's lots of bits that you may not consider in the beginning. But yeah, I think you've just got to kind of go out there and do make the decisions for yourself 
and not base any of your decisions on other people or doing things just because they should be done at weddings is my kind of takeout from it because then you'll have no regrets and you'll have a really great day. And I think that's what I loved about your day is it just was so fun. And I know that it's so easy to get swept up in all that stress of the day. So how did you even get rid of that stress and how did you keep focused on what was important to you both? Yeah, I think it's a fair point, but I, I also think because our family and the majority of our family weren't there, it kind so you of got rid of the no, but it almost family part. We we started the process doing it untraditionally, you know, in the sense of mm-hmm. well, we're doing it this way because this is the way we want to do it. So we were kind of already on the right track when we started planning. And we were kind of in that headspace of we're doing this our way. But yeah, I really do think just having that conscious mindset all the way through the decisions you're making, that this is what you and your partner want. And it's not, you're not doing it for any other reason than that. I love it. I loved, I loved every bit of your day. And I'm so thankful I got to talk to you today about it. Oh, thank you. What is next for you both? Now, I, I hear you did say that you might be having a family celebration. Are you going to plan another wedding? Here's, an, here's your excuse. I know, I know. It's, it, <laughs> I would absolutely love to. And without a doubt, we'll do something when we get back in the UK where we'd love to get back next year and have a celebration there, maybe do it all again. <laughs> um, we've just moved, moved house here in Sydney, actually. So we're busy kind of decorating and making a home for ourselves here. But yeah, outside of that, travel is definitely back on the cards and we'd love to get some trips booked in to the UK. And I'm also hoping to see a friend in New Zealand in December. But I've not seen since 2019 and since then she's had a baby. So it'll be a real treat. And you never know. And the baby will probably be running around by the time <laughs> you get know, there. exactly. So if you had any piece of advice that you could offer up to couples planning their day right now, what would you say? I know that I haven't, I haven't warned you about this question. Yeah. It just came to me. <laughs> do it your way. Honestly, don't worry about anyone else. Just do it exactly how you want to do it. You know, weddings cost a lot of money. Once in a lifetime experience. And just don't be restricted by those wedding norms. And just use the vendors that you know and trust. And you'll have a great day. <laughs> all, all really great pieces of advice. I feel like you do you and yeah, definitely. get rid of all the stress and everything is the most important thing after all. And I feel like that was really evident in what you and John did on your day. Oh, thank you very much. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm so thrilled to have chatted to you and to dive a little bit more into what was not only your unique, but really personal wedding. Well, thank you very much. It's been great recording a podcast. As I said, it's my debut, so thank you. <laughs> I know, so don't pull it apart too much when you listen to the other end. <laughs> Not at all, I promise. Awesome. Thank you so much. Now, we know you're going to want to see more of Will and John's wedding. So if you hop on over to pogo.wedding.com forward slash podcast, we've linked this episode over there. In that guide, you'll also find the full show notes for this episode, including the written transcription. We would love your reviews on today's episode. So make sure you pop over and leave us a review and then head on over to Instagram and tell us what you think. This is our first episode. So we're really excited to launch this new project and we would really love to have you on board for the ride.